Well, ladies and gentlemen, once again, it's time to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Sabalero, and I am very excited today. I got to tell you, I guess I'm very excited for every show, but today it's going to be really special for me. But before I introduce our guest, I want to go ahead and talk to my partner, my good friend, the best Cajun in the world, Kelly Grayson. KG, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm I, uh, I'm an honorary Cajun. I'm, I'm not a, a Cajun ancestry. I wasn't born in Cajun country, but I got here as quick as humanly possible. So, oh, really? So, uh, you, but you, you're you're from Louisiana, though. Uh, yeah, I'm originally. from Louisiana, but we're we're kind of equally divided into uh, rednecks and Cajuns. Um, I'm I'm more of the redneck variety. But when you're from New York City. It, uh, oh they, yeah, we're all we're all it's uh, all the same. Right? You know, yeah. we all wear overalls with no shirts and and no shoes and talk funny. That's right, and uh, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. So we won't go with you yeah. any more than that. So, <laughs> but uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I'm really excited about is when we talk about uh, talking funny. But I think that our next guest is really somebody that uh, I'm excited to bring in and chat about. You know, Kelly, I've been podcasting for a lot of years, and I think mm-hmm. this is my eleventh year or so, and. You and I have been kicking off for six, and our next guest has joined me on the EMS Leadership Podcast for many years. He was a staple uh, there for uh, a lot of years, and we had the great discussions, great debates on leadership, and uh, a really good friend, one of the preeminent EMS leaders in the United States, and he has the original accent to the state of Virginia. My good friend, Rob Lawrence. Rob, thank you for coming on the Inside EMS podcast. Thank you for having me, Chris. And you read that exactly off the card the way I wrote it. Well done. <laughs> I know, and it took me a long time to get there, Rob. But uh, thanks for coming in, and it's I great, appreciate it. to be on the show, Chris. Thank you. But first off, I mean, I, I want to hit this right away, because one of the reasons that you're here, you've been doing a lot of work in writing some great articles for EMS One. I mean, you are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to EMS, EMS operations, the culture of safety, but you got a new gig that you're kicking off for EMS One, and why don't you go ahead and share it with the listeners? Well, thanks, Chris, and I'm currently writing for EMS One in a column called EMS One Stop, and the good folk at the publication have given me carte blanche to really comment on what's happening out there in the EMS world, and if you've been reading those columns, I've been talking about the fact that we have to train our replacements Uh, I've been talking about the dreaded HIPAA, um, and most recently I've been talking about move over and the laws that affect the safety of our providers on the highways, and perhaps we can come back to that. To sort of follow the current, being a dedicated follower of fashion, Chris, I'm also now recording and narrating long-form versions of those articles, so if you don't want to uh, read what I've written, then you can listen to me in this, uh, this English accent of mine. And i got to tell you, it is that English accent that has nicknamed you our international correspondent so you were the international correspondent on the uh, ems leadership podcast and kelly if it's all right with you i'm going to go ahead and deem rob lawrence the international correspondent for inside ems oh by all all means this is like our our he's our reuters contingent uh (laughs) gives a classes up the place a bit doesn't he Yes, well, well thank you, Kelly. Well, I should mention that I'm freshly Brexited. Uh, this is America, so this is now the second Brexit that uh, the British have gone through. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> that's right, and the first one occurring, of course, in the 1700s. That's right, the original Brexit. The original Brexit, that's right. So, but uh, nevertheless, I, my feet have planted firmly here in the U.S. and have been now for, for 12 years. You know, you talked about the EMS One Stop. 
And, you know, there are a couple of them that you've done so far. And I've, I've been a fan. I've listened more than I've read. Uh, if we could say I read Kelly's articles and I listen to yours. But, you know, you talk about HIPAA. You did a great job with that. You did a good one on the coronavirus, which I thought was pretty awesome. You know, HIPAA, I, I told you before we started to record the other day that uh, you made HIPAA sound interesting, which was really awesome. But uh, before... Oh, yeah, How did you do that? I know. It was, it, you got to listen to it. I mean, it's only five minutes and 41 seconds, but it was a great job. But, you know, you talked about Move Over, EMS One Stop uh, with Rob Lawrence. Go ahead and check it out. But you did a, a great article, and you did this uh, overview of Move Over. And, and why is that important for EMS? Well, it's not important only for EMS. It's important for anybody that's in public safety. It's important for anyone that works on the highway. And that could be if you're a DMV vehicle particularly tow truck drivers, you don't have to go too many days before you see an incident involving a tow truck driver. So it's really anybody and everybody that's up there. And what I did, Chris and Kelly, was I dissected some of the things that are going on with the move over law and those things that sit around them. And some interesting things. It's good news to say that every state has a move over law. So check there. Uh, Not every state, though, gets down into the granularity of who that covers, whether it covers just fire trucks, ambulances, or indeed those other public safety workers and tow truck drivers. So, you know, check your move over laws. And, of course, in the article, uh, Kerry, uh, who work, who we both work with, is fantastic at putting all the appropriate links and linkages in so you can go and check the references straight away. So move over law. Cell phones. Um, of course, what we want is everybody to not use their cell phones. We want them to have their hands on the wheel. We want them to have their eyes on the road. And only half the states in this great nation have a no cell phone hands free law. So, again, an opportunity to check your legislation if you're involved in state level legislating. Perhaps that's a good one to introduce for your state. If you're half of the country that that allows people to pick up a cell phone and stick it to their ear and get distracted. So that's another sort of on, on the to do list. Of course, Tim, our friend Tim, Traffic Incident Management. I think everybody's pretty much familiar with the Traffic Incident Management Program now and knows all about that, working with their law enforcement partners. And also, when I was researching, uh, Chris and Kelly, interestingly, I found some legislation that's sitting there, uh, sponsored by a a delegate from Arizona, to create a national move-over day to improve the visibility, the awareness, and therefore the safety is a good thing and that's still open it's got bipartisan support when you think about politics today that's a good thing we've got bipartisan support and so again go to the article and click through the links and you can see the uh, the, the uh, house bill that's sitting there that perhaps we can all support and so it became quite an, an interesting research project but also vitally important to just restate and remind folk that you know the move over law is out there and people need to pay attention and the problem is we're having accidents and incidents because they're not paying attention. So, yeah. uh, again, I'll come back to that as the year goes on. So that's the kind of the, the thesis behind that article that I wrote for uh, my EMS one-stop column. Interestingly enough, and I'll, I'll tell on myself, I was recently pulled over uh, by a police officer for failing to observe the move-over law in Texas. And, and, you know, it's, it's the, the article you wrote is, is extremely timely. We, you know, we're so concerned with, with uh, interpersonal violence in EMS and, and being assaulted by patients, but we stand a far greater chance of being smeared into an interesting hood ornament on the roadway um, from distracted drivers. So that, that's where we are at our most vulnerable. 
Um, and I was I was driving to the Texas EMS conference, as a matter of fact, and and uh, I saw the officer uh, with a semi truck pulled over on the side of the road, and and he was getting back in his vehicle. And, you know, there was no traffic. I could have moved over. I slowed down. I watched him carefully, but I didn't change lanes. And uh, he pulled me over for it. And and uh, that was the first I knew that Texas had a move over law. And uh, I'll, I, he made me feel about an inch tall. Didn't write me a ticket. Just chided me for my carelessness, and and uh, and uh, suffice to say that I, I observe that now because it it makes perfect sense, and and it's a it's a safe thing to do. Well, dare I say, Kelly, good for them. Um, the other the other thing that I found is that it's not naturally related to public safety, but if you go to Facebook and visit the National Move Over Day Facebook page, it's not actually linked to the legislation, but what they do is a a frighteningly good job of catching every single incident and accident involving public safety and tow trucks and it's updated mm. and it's eye-watering honestly the amount of collisions and accidents and tragedy that there is involving those folks that have their job to work on the highway you know rob you have a lot of experience you know you were the uh you know you ran one of the largest public utility models in the united states at the richmond ambulance authority you're a, a sought-after speaker. You represent the uh, career field with the AAA. So when you start to think about now where EMS is going, and if you think about the, you know, the fabric of EMS over the past few years and now as we start to transition into the 20s, um, what, what do you think? What are you seeing for us? What do you feel about our career field? Well, it's a very good question, Chris. Um, back at the American Amateur Association trade show and convention last year, I was invited to be the first plenary keynote speaker. And my topic was entitled uh, Elephants in the EMS Room. And it's some of those things that we need to uh, pay attention to. They're there, but we kind of ignore them at our peril. And it's the things that are going to help us move forward or currently are stopping us from any, any forward motion at all. And so just off the top of my head, some things that we need to sort out. And I'm actually I'm using my one-stop column to address some of that. I think you guys mentioned, you know, we have to be responsible for training our replacements. We talk about EMS 2050. It's a long way off. And I did a little chart to say, show hands in the room. Who's going to be here at EMS 2050? Well, guess what? A couple of hands rose, which out of that was born what's just, I'm delighted to say the AAA have now done, which is now identified as of yesterday, they're 40 under 40. So we put an appeal out for our 40 talented leaders of today uh, and we're going to continue to do this and we'll offer mentorship and highlight their stories. And uh, actually, if you go to the American Ambulance Association website, you can find the 40 under 40. And it really start, we, it really goes to that theme of training our replacements. And it's not only just operations people. There are PR people. There's academic research people. There are fleet and logistic people. But obviously, we need all of those things in order to move forward. So that was an elephant. Um Dare I say, I'm, 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 a, I'm involved with the AAA, but there is a alphabet soup, a hodgepodge of organizations that represent our industry, both EMS and fire. And we need to make sure we find that common ground, particularly when we're legislating, to make sure we're all on point and on message. And again, that's something that's, uh, I think, vitally important. Um, the, the, you know, the response times are always an emotive subject. You know, seven minutes, 59, and... The patient dies, that's a success. Eight minutes, one second, the patient lives, that's a failure. That's something we have yeah. to address by educating our legislators, educating our locally elected officials, uh, and 
perhaps also finding some really good metrics that reflect not so much how well we how well we are at being Ricky Bobby driving around the Daytona circuit in our executive limousine, but actually treating and saving the patient. So again, there's a there's a whole raft of things, and I could go on, Chris. Uh, but uh, again, those are some of the sort of top tips that I'm sort of trying to get us to eat the elephant one bite at a time in order to take our industry forward. Uh, I tell you, the the moment someone takes our ops manager and senior leadership personnel and puts them in a car with a live panther like Ricky Bobby, I'd pay money to see that. I would pay good money to see that. Just just a little non sequitur that, that, that frequently occurs in my brain. Um. Well, but, but there, was, there, was, there was actually a philosophical point here, Kelly, and, that, and that's, you know, as Ricky Bobby said, we're in the game right now that if we're not first, we're last. We're last, that's right. Interestingly enough, Rob, that your, your plenary session um, – you know, uh, touches on on our topic last week when we were talking about the lack of mentors and we're not growing growing the next generation in EMS and how important that is. Uh, I was reminded of, of that problem uh, in a conversation with Nancy just recently, where she was she was recounting one of her uh, consulting uh, gigs with uh, a volunteer service in, on the Eastern Seaboard, and she was talking to them about recruiting attention. Um, and they said we don't have a recruitment and retention problem. So everyone here, uh, we don't have a problem holding personnel. We, everyone here has been here 25 years. <laughs> she said, okay, you're all over 60. How many of you are going to be here in five years? Nobody had an answer for that. So, and you don't think you have a recruitment and retention problem? Well, who's going to replace you when you can no longer get on an ambulance? Uh, and, and they didn't think of that. Um, but what what struck me at the very beginning, and I didn't get a chance to ask you this, Rob, but I'd like to ask you this now. The whole, uh, the audible narration of your, uh, long-form narration of your of your uh, your articles intrigues me, and I would like to subscribe to your newsletter because I want to learn how to do the same thing. So you're just doing a, um, this is just an audible uh, narrated version of, of your regular articles that people can subscribe to on, on where? Where can get one get one thing? And then so, when we're off, go, off mic, tell me how to go about doing it. Sure. But in simple terms, if you go to the EMS One uh, website, you go to my EMS One Stop article. And then there is now, as if by magic, a EMS One Stop link that takes you to the SoundCloud recording. So technically, it's not audible. We can't say that. That's a product. But yeah. uh, we are narrating. We're not being audible. Uh, but it's there. And uh, it's been interesting, actually, because when you write an article, and this sounds, may sound kind of weird, you write an article to be read. Sometimes it's difficult to write this, to read the same article. So I realized I have to change some of the text and the pace of it a little bit just to make it sound good out of this English voice. But uh, I'm giving it a go, nevertheless, and people seem to, it seems to be having a good reception so far. Yeah, it's one of the things that I've, I've listened to in the car, Rob. So, you know, I listened to the coronavirus thing in the car, and I, I think I got sick on, on the way to work. And uh, then I listen to the move over one in the car. So they're very easily to just to access on your phone. And then, you know, for the short drive that you're taking home or to work, it gives you an opportunity really kind of uh, to stay up on your latest uh, uh, information. But I think that this is just another way that we're going to be able to start getting our information as we move into the next phase of, uh, you know, where we're going in the world. But, you know, one of the things that I wanted to touch on as well is you mentioned the AAA, and, and you've got a pretty big responsibility with the AAA. And uh, from that organizational standpoint, maybe share a little bit about it, your responsibilities 
And for the people that aren't really aware of the AAA, because when we think about the Inside EMS podcast, you know, we kind of we kind of developed this show. Uh, Kelly and I are two paramedics, and we're sitting in a truck, and we're talking about you know that everybody who sits in a truck talks about. But when we think about the AAA, we're really talking about the administrative side of EMS. And maybe you could just share a little bit of a little bit about that with the listeners. Yeah, certainly. Well, I've just uh, rotated off the board, off a full board seat, but I'm still and always was the chairman of the AAA Communications Committee, uh, and also the, what, the fancy title of the Rapid Response Media Task Force. And that means that when one of our national media outlets, whether it's uh, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, uh, etc., have a question, they normally come to AAA and others, and, and then we normally have a consistent voice or a consistent group of us that give the response back to them. And actually, you know, throughout the years of dealing with the media, it's a uh, sometimes you know quite the skill to to deal with a journalist who has one agenda and one agenda only and sometimes it's we're bad uh, and therefore to actually use fact to you know to convey the, the the message that we're out here doing a great job so that's kind of the, the role that i'm doing with the AAA. but of course the association itself represents about 500 and some change individual organization members not individual members but organizations and pretty much covers every state in the country uh, and we are looking at the legislative approach. Uh, some of the things that may, you know, quite honestly, bore the guys that are on the trucks listening to this. But things like the uh, the, the cost collection survey. One of the biggest issues at the moment is we are getting less and less and less reimbursement. Uh, we're having issues in you know getting in in plan with with insurance companies. Uh, there are you know Medicare any charges you, and it gives you a certain amount of money for no matter how much you it costs you to have that truck ready twenty four seven. And so we are actually trying to, along with other other organizations, I have to say, trying to preserve that uh, in order to do that simple thing, which is called, you know, paying folk. You know, our most expensive asset and our most important asset are our staff. And therefore, you know, if, we, if we're not making the money in, uh, and that's a whole new show about, you know, private versus public versus everything else. But in, at the end of the day, if we don't make the money, we can't pay the people. And yeah. so that's something that's, uh, that's actually quite vital. Um, through to other projects such as uh, the the 40 under 40 that I just talked about, we realise that we need to start investing in our in our future human capital, and that's something that we've started this year, and we hope now to continue to therefore encourage those people to make a longer term career in EMS management. And of course, talking about pay, there's always that interesting jump between being a field supervisor where you can make overtime into a line manager where you don't. Some people might take a cut. For a little while but sometimes you have to go backwards to go forwards and so you know making sure that we can you know encourage people that there is some sort of career pathway in the whole industry and, and i appreciate that some organizations you know are fairly small and therefore things are fairly narrow but you know like me i'm five thousand miles from home now you have to be prepared to move on to move up and so again we you know we we are focusing on that, uh, you know, mental mental health uh, provider, uh, well-being, etc. Of course, that's stuff that we are doing. And, of course, all the educational offerings that they have as well uh, are resources for all to learn from. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it's but one of many organizations, but uh, it's certainly... The cost, the cost survey and, and uh, AAA's promotion uh, uh, of that, how are you guys seeing problems with compliance or, or people willing to 
uh, or unwilling to participate in the survey or, or dragging their feet, as it were. That's one of the some of the feedback we're getting is people just don't want to do this and they don't think it's a priority <laughs> and, and convincing them that your livelihood depends on this um, is has been a problem. Uh, what what are AAA members? Uh, how are they receiving this? I, I think the organization as a whole and its members welcome this because if we can demonstrate what it actually costs. And, and of course, the thing is that we are here 24-7-365. It's a well-used hackneyed expression. And that's the cost of readiness. We always have to be there. But of mm -hmm. course, you guys know, income is only derived from taking a patient to the hospital. Now, hopefully ET3 and the pilots may change that, may change the reimbursement mm -hmm. model. But if we only transport 75% of what we respond to, there's a deficit there of, of, of finance and income. And so therefore... The only way we can elegantly demonstrate that to anybody is by understanding how much it truly costs to run and operate mm -hmm. business. And that's another elephant in the room. This is a business, like it or not, to run this business called EMS in order to fund it appropriately and properly without skimping and therefore, you know, A, underpaying our people or, you know, worse, not being there for the patient in their moment of need. And, of course, that's another issue. You see a lot of rural areas now where squads are packing up because of either volunteerism or because of just lack of reimbursement because they're not getting mm -hmm. paid, they're actually doing it, and it's a problem. And those those agencies that are that are dependent the most that may not necessarily be members of AAA are the ones that, in, in uh, what we're experiencing, are the ones that are most reticent about uh, participating and and uh, and completing those surveys. And, and, you know, that that's a shame, Kelly, because, you know, the days of having a lot of volunteers out in you know, rural America and, and you just, just discussed, you know, that your anecdote about the age, that's a diminishing return. Now, the days of shaking the boot outside the supermarket, prop, the boot isn't probably getting as full as it used to be. And therefore, the reimbursement issue is something that we have to be able to mm -hmm. say, this is our lifeline. But what they want in return is for us to demonstrate exactly how much it costs to do the business yeah you know rob i mean you're you're just a wealth of knowledge just a wealth of experience uh you know as an ems leader you and i have had many 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 hours of discussion we on leadership philosophy you know in your role at the richmond ambulance authority at the richmond ambulance authority uh you guys were one of the uh ems service of the year i believe it was 2016 if my memory serves me uh, correctly, uh, I think. Yeah, the Dick Furno Trophy. I mean, they're still yeah. going strong, the, the, and, and that's the important bit about organisations like RAA. They're a team. That's right. I was just but one small cog in that wheel. But um, I, I was I was replaced by an equally fantastic cog uh, who's doing an equally fantastic, if not more fantastic, job. And they're going onwards and upwards. So uh, you know, I, I'm not. It's a, I'm I'm, all, I'm a team player. And, well, I think that I think that goes to the philosophy of leadership. That to be a, a, a true leader in an organization, you've got to be that of service and you've got to be able to have that mentality mm -hmm. of that of a servant leader and make sure that your workforce knows that the you work for them and they don't necessarily work for you. But I, I really wanted just to kind of touch on this from the standpoint of self-leadership because I think that this is one of the things that you talk about. This is, you know, that's really one of your, uh, you know, your, um, you have great expertise in, because you've motivated me on many occasions 
with your leadership, uh, um, you know, words of wisdom. So I would think now there, there are many people that are out there who sit in the truck and they worry about what's next for them, or they wonder if EMS is a career field for them, or they're wondering about their next best thing. And a lot of times these folks, they don't have the, the motivation, they don't have the desire, they've lost that eye of the tiger, let's say, when it comes to becoming the best provider that they can be. So from a self-leadership point, give them some pearls of wisdom that really they can start to polish and really put themselves on the track to make the most of who they are in their careers. Well, thank you for that question. I think EMS, first of all, kind of creeps up on you. And I, and I firmly believe that this perhaps isn't a job, but is a way of life. Uh, and, you know, once it hooks you, then, you, you know, you become, you become part of our amazing system that is a, a bunch of selfless individuals that are here to care for the next patient on the next call. And the prize, and I used to say this in Richmond, we get the EMS prize, which is we get to do it all again tomorrow. Congratulations, you've won. Now we can do it again tomorrow in the next month and the next year. But to, to get to move on and up, of course, you know, you need to have an active interest in what's happening around you. Your, your system is governed in a number of ways. You could be in a fire department. You could be in a, a private service that's being uh, performance managed by the response time target. You could be in a not-for-profit organization. I mean, there's many, many organizations, but understand how your system works. And, of course, the first thing you realize, and I'm going to use that old phrase, and you could all join in here, that once you've seen one EMS system, You've, You've seen, seen one of your systems. Indeed. <laughs> but understand how your system works and then understand how you can make uh, you know, it better. I, or, or I live by many, many sayings, as you know, Chris, but uh, an old army saying that I learned and is absolutely true is that tactics is no longer the opinion of the senior officer present. In other words, if you have a good idea, if you have something that can actually improve our lot, whether it's operationally, whether it's from an HR perspective, uh, whether it's clinically, then speak up and say something. Uh, as mm -hmm. I always used to say in response to that, when someone came up with an idea, it's either going to be yes or it's not going to be no, but it may be not yet. Because, of course, then some things require research and funding and scaling, etc. But, you know, if you have a good idea, then let's hear it because it can actually may help. You know, you may see something that the person in the office or the control room or in the bay, whatever, doesn't. And therefore, you know, it's kind of a, if you see something, say something, but in this case, it's for the good and benefit of your organization. And I think that's absolutely something that's key. Um, I, you know, sort of live by six principles and, and some that they're, they're kind of, a, they were bestowed upon me by, I was a, a, a cadet at Sandhurst, which is the American version of West Point. Mm -hmm. And those six principles were pride, integrity, learning, humor, service, courage. And if you live by those things, then those things will help you along. Pride, be proud of yourself, be proud of your organization. Integrity, I don't even need to explain that one, but it must be absolutely maximum. Service uh, to the people that you are working with. And of course, as I said, it's a way of life here. So service is something that we're doing because we're living it. Humor, the ability to laugh and listen to this at yourself and with others. I didn't say at others. Okay, so having a good sense of humor and uh, as Churchill said, attitude is everything um, is, is absolutely key. Um, and then courage. There's two types of courage. There's physical courage and then there's moral courage. And sometimes moral courage is the harder one of the two because you have to be prepared to stand up for what's right, stand up and say something and actually be prepared to say this isn't right if it's not right. And so those are kind of my leadership principles that I've lived by and my folk back at Richmond and other places will 
remember if that's written on the wall there it's because we put it there because those are kind of the handrails with which you can lead with yeah six maxims to live by and and in closing um uh, rob thank you for coming on the show um so many in EMS, we, we, we feel, those of us on, on ambulances every day, we sometimes feel powerless as to the, the direction our profession is headed in and, and that it's, it's steered, the ship is steered by this, this vague, amorphous they um, because, frankly, most of us are, are too tired or overworked to think beyond our next call uh, and our next paycheck. But it's nice to hear that there are servant leaders out there uh, who uh, engaging in advocacy on our behalf that still remember uh, the, uh, the important things. And, and thank you for doing that. And thank you for speaking on our behalf uh, to policymakers. You just hit one word there, advocacy. And uh, again, it's another speaking topic of mine. And uh, I always talk about those four little words that make a difference in everybody's day. And politically, those four little words are all those in favour. OK, if you have the votes, it will go your way. Um, now, how do you do that? You do that through influence. And so, therefore, if you are a medic on the truck on the street, you're driving a billboard. Um, you're driving mm -hmm. an influencing item that everybody sees. So you actually have the chance to influence people to have a good impression of your organization. Um, people normally think of politics as being federal. Well, in America, politics are very local. So there are boards mm -hmm. of, there's a board of supervisors, there's a board of governors, there's a board of directors, there's a board of everything uh, at every level in from, from local to city to state to region or to region to state and, and nationally. And so everybody is actually a politician and everybody's able to legislate or influence in order to help us get our way, which is in order on our way being for the good and benefit of the future of EMS in America. Yeah, and that's the perfect, uh, one of my favorite sayings by Tip O'Neill, uh, all, polit all politics are local. Um, and in EMS, we can either uh, complain about being at the mercy of politicians, uh, or we can learn how to be, uh, play politics and, and learn how to steer the ship ourselves. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Absolutely. Email us at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Sabalero and our special guest this week, Rob Lawrence, thank you guys for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week. <laughs>